Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 2 called Skin for Skin. If you're just catching up with the book of Job, the first chapter is probably one of the most well-known chapters, and that's when God has a conversation with Satan, or literally the Satan, the adversary, and he brings up Job in the presence of Satan, and Satan begins to question Job's motives for following God. Does he follow you for no reason? No, it's because you've blessed him. You've put a hedge about him. You've blessed everything in his hands. Remove the hedge. Take the blessings away. And what did Satan say? He'll curse you to your face. Now, that's what Satan thought of Job. But God's God's assessment of Job was he was a righteous man. He was the greatest man of the East, but he was blameless. He was always turning away from evil. He feared God. He was a man of high integrity. That's why God boasted on him in the first place. And so we can see behind the veil, behind life, there is a spiritual reality. There is another dimension to life that we don't always take into consideration, and it is this battle and, and this, this spiritual dimension to life. And Job, you know, he didn't really know what was going on, and so in chapter 1, here's what we could say to summarize, and we've already gone through this, and if you want to catch up, you can look on the website, is that by the end of chapter 1, Job has lost virtually everything. He's lost all of his children. They've all died. He's lost his massive estate. He was the greatest man of the East. He's lost his wealth, his possessions, many of his servants. We saw him prostrate himself on the ground uh, after he's gotten a barrage of one bad uh, report after another. This has happened. This has happened. It's more than one person could take in a lifetime, let alone a day. And here's what we see him do. He prostrates himself on the ground and worships God. He does not do what Satan said he would do. Satan said, he'll curse you to your face. Job did not do that. Job said these famous words, naked, Job 121, I came from my mother's womb. Naked, I will depart. And one writer said, it's almost as if Job died that day because he says, naked, I came into the world. Naked, I will depart. And he had lost so much that day. The Lord gave And the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. That's the NIV. If you have anything else, New American Standard, and I think many others say, blessed be the name of the Lord. And through all this, all that Job went through, he did not sin. That's what Satan said he would do. Nor did he blame God. Would you pray with me? Fathers, we move into Job chapter 2, and we continue to watch this uh, man take so many terrible, disastrous hits in his life. He's really lost everything. A man who went from really the, the riches of, of one of the, the, probably the most prosperous men of the East to really losing everything. And he bowed before you. He shaved his head. He fell on the ground and he worshiped. And Lord, worship is really a word that means you are worthy. It's your worship. It's You're worthy of our praise, but you're not just worthy of our praise when life is perfect. And that's what the book of Job shows us. 
But, Lord, we do wrestle with being a thankful people when things are out of whack, when we don't know which way life's going to go, or even when we're in the midst of a season where it's been very difficult and there, there's been misfortune and loss. And, and we want to learn how to worship you in every season of life, in the good times and the bad times. Whether, as Paul said, we're abounding or whether we have nothing. We want to learn the secret of contentment. And you are that secret. It's leaning into you into every, in every season of life. And there are going to be wonderful, joyous seasons. And there's going to be times when we, don't, we can't make sense, heads or tails, of what's going on or what, even what you're doing. We pray that you would teach us to be people of worship in every season. So would you lead tonight where you want it to go? Would you lead us by your Holy Spirit? May our hearts be soft to your word and to your voice. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now in Job 1.22, through all this, Job did not sin or nor did he blame God. Job did not play the blame game. And our first parents played the blame game when they fell. You know, Adam said, it's the woman that you gave to me, right? <laughs> Implying that it was God's fault, right? She's the one you gave to me. It's your fault. And then the woman, of course, blamed the serpent, and we've always joked that the serpent turned, you know, to look for someone to blame, but he didn't have a leg to stand on. So he couldn't do much. But, but blaming God for things that go wrong in life is a it's a pretty natural human tendency. Sometimes people do it over relatively silly things like their team lost a game or, you know, they didn't perform well, uh, you know, maybe in a sporting contest. I, I remember some years ago, we'd play slow pitch uh, or over the line with some family members. And I remember one of my family members would hit a ball and I would make the catch. And I remember making a leaping catch on one of my cousins. And, he's, and he started calling out to God like it was God's fault that I caught his line drive. And I said, that wasn't God's fault. That was just a great catch, right? Don't blame God for that. But on a serious note, when life goes haywire and things are hard to understand or make sense of, that's when, you know, oftentimes we look up and, and our question is, why? Why has this happened? And Job could have dissected that in a number of different ways. But what he did is he decided to worship and he did not blame God and in fact, he blessed God instead of cursing. Satan said he was going to curse God, but Job blessed the Lord. Some of me may, may wonder about what is this concept, us blessing God? Can we bless God? Well, the idea of us blessing God is that we're speaking well of him. The idea of uh, giving him honor or praise. In the Greek language, the word bless has this idea of to speak well of, and that's what Job did. He would not speak ill of God because Job knew that everything that he had was from God. The very breath in his lungs was from God. The planet that you walk on is from God. The air that you breathe is from God. The eyes you look out uh, through into the world are from God. Everything you have is from God. You would not exist if there wasn't God. 
God's the one that decided to make you human. God's the one that formed you in your mother's womb. God's the one that gave you the gifts that you have. And John the Baptist sums it up well when he said a man or a woman would have nothing unless it first been given to them from heaven. So before we have this complex that, or this, this idea that God owes us something, we need to be very careful. It's God's world, God's universe, and he has been gracious to us, right? And all of us could say, no matter what you've been through tonight, and I know some of you have been through some very hard things, just what happened to Job in this single day is probably more than most of us can even imagine. More heartache, more loss, more devastation, 10 children dying in one day. I mean, that, that is just almost unimaginable. And even with that, we can think of Sri Lanka this last weekend on Resurrection Weekend when people were in church with their family and suicide bombers blew up churches and many people died. And so even though we can say, you know, Job went through so much, it doesn't mean that others don't face this. And, and this is part of the reason why I think the book of Job is in our Bible is a place of refuge for you and for me. In fact, I would tell you that I believe that God has his divine purposes, but one of the divine purposes that I know, I think I can authoritatively say, is that the reason that the book of Job and the story of Job is in the Bible is for you and for me. When we do hit these tough times in life, when it's hard to make sense of things. Now, the word again opens chapter 2, Again, there was a day, and we now move back to a heavenly scene. We've been going back from heaven to earth. Again, there was a day when the sons of God, we've identified those as angels, came to present themselves, and this mirrors uh, chapter 1, verse 6, before the Lord, and Satan, or the Satan, also came among them. He was among the sons of God. We've concluded from Genesis 6 and other places that these are the angels. Satan, of course, is a fallen angel, and he's come among them. We don't know what day it was, but it does seem to indicate that there there was a regular time that the angelic beings checked in with God. And since Satan has already fallen at this point, Satan seems to regularly present himself before the Lord. And he presents himself in a Uh, inferior role. He's a fallen angel. God is God. Satan is a fallen angel, but he checks in before the Lord. He presents himself before the Lord. This is scene four, is what commentators say, and here here are these angels before Yahweh, before the Lord. The language is almost identical to the scene that we saw earlier in chapter one. There was a day. I don't know how long it's been since everything that happened in chapter 1. Uh, I don't know how much, you know, Job is, is, the other things are fresh in his mind. But you can write down Revelation 12.10, which does indicate that Satan does have access to heaven and accuses the brethren day and night. And in my view of the end times, I do not believe that that has stopped yet. I believe that Satan will have access to the throne of God until the midpoint of Daniel's 70th week. So I believe that that is still occurring, that Satan has access, and he is still accusing the brethren. But his accusations are meaningless, because if if you're in Christ, you have the righteousness of Christ credited to your account, and no accusation from Satan against you will ever stand, because you're forgiven. Amen? You have the righteousness of Christ. So the Lord says to Satan, where have you come from? 
Then Satan answered the Lord, chapter 2, verse 2, and he said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. Now, we know that Peter painted the devil as a roaring lion, roaming about as a roaring lion, 1 Peter 5, 8, seeking someone to devour. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. We've concluded from Genesis 6 and other places that these are the angels. Satan, of course, is a fallen angel, and he's come among them. We don't know what day it was, but it does seem to indicate that there, there was a regular time that the angelic beings checked in with God. And since Satan has already fallen at this point, Satan seems to regularly present himself before the Lord. And he presents himself in an uh, inferior role. He's a fallen angel. God is God. Satan is a fallen angel. But he checks in before the Lord. He presents himself before the Lord. This is scene four, is what commentators say. And here, is, here are these angels before Yahweh, before the Lord. The language is almost identical to the scene that we saw earlier in chapter 1. There was a day. I don't know how long it's been since everything that happened in chapter 1. Uh, I don't know how much, you know, Job is, is, the other things are fresh in his mind. But you can write down Revelation 12.10, which does indicate that Satan does have access to heaven and accuses the brethren day and night. And in my view of the end times, I do not believe that that has stopped yet. I believe that Satan will have access to the throne of God until the midpoint of Daniel's 70th week. So I believe that that is still occurring, that Satan has access, and he is still accusing the brethren. But his accusations are meaningless, because if, you, if you're in Christ, you have the righteousness of Christ credited to your account, and no accusation from Satan against you will ever stand because you're forgiven. Amen? You have the righteousness of Christ. So the Lord says to Satan, where have you come from? Then Satan answered the Lord, chapter 2, verse 2, and he said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. 
Now, we know that Peter painted the devil as a roaring lion, roaming about as a roaring lion, 1 Peter 5, 8, seeking someone to devour. And so we imply from this that as Satan is roaming around to and fro upon the earth, he is doing his devouring work. And we can see from chapter 1 and chapter 2 that this is his intent to devour. He has asked permission to get at Job. He's going to ask for more permission in chapter 2. And it would seem, just reading between the lines, that he looks, he goes on walkabout around the earth looking for people who claim to be servants of the Lord and makes them his target. Because remember, in 1 Peter 5, 8, the warning is to brethren, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's not for non-Christians. That's for you. And you're supposed to resist him firm in your faith and he will flee from you. You're supposed to put on the armor of God that you may take your stand against the schemes of the devil, right? We've learned those Bible verses. And so Satan describes what he's been doing. He's been roaming around on the earth, but he still has access to heaven, but he also has access, obviously, to the earth. And the Lord said to Satan, verse 3, have you considered my servant Job? Now, a lot of us just want to scream for a, a second time, no, don't do it, Lord. Don't bring Job up again, please. We know how that went in chapter 1. Now, had Satan considered God's servant Job prior to the conversation in chapter 1? Yes. Because when God brings up Job, Satan says, the reason that he follows you, he worships you, he honors you, is you've put a hedge about him. You've blessed the work of his hands. You see, Satan already knew about Job. It's not like God was just bringing Job to Satan's attention for the first time. It would appear that Job uh, has been protected from Satan's attacks for quite some time. I would, I would read between the lines again and say to you, this is my own conjecture, that Satan's probably tried on multiple occasions to get at Job. That's why he says, you put a hedge about him. I can't get at him. They both already know about Job. He's the greatest man in the East. He's a follower of God. He offers sacrifice just in case his children may have cursed God. And so I think that Satan has been targeting Job all along and... Uh, this gives me a little different perspective about why God brings Job up in the first place. Obviously, God knows everything. Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Now, the Lord says of Job that there's nobody like him. He's blameless. He's upright. He fears God. He shuns evil or he turns away from evil. He's a good man. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you, God saying to Satan, incited me against him to ruin him without cause. If you have the ESV, it says to destroy him without reason. And I want to remind you, those of you studying the Bible and kind of forming your theology, that you understand that the Bible clearly declares that Job was a good man 
There is nothing the Bible says that came at Job because it was his fault. Because he didn't honor God or he had had some secret sin in his life. If you ever hear somebody say that to try to prove a point that bad things only happen when you lack something or you don't have enough faith or whatever, don't buy it. The Bible debunks that. Emphatically, the Bible is saying that Job was a very upright man, a blameless man. There was something else going on. And the incitement was to ruin him without cause or destroy him without reason. There was no reason. There was no reason, no wrong that Job had done why this calamity happened to him. And can I just say to you that we need to be careful when we don't understand something that we don't do the blame game and make it to the man in the mirror. Because here's what we sometimes do. If we don't blame God, then what do we start to do? We start to blame ourselves. And it's something like this. Have you ever said this before? What did I do to deserve this? And we usually don't say it once, right? What did I do to deserve, what did I do to deserve this? And sometimes we've met the enemy and it is us. And we took the gun, pointed it at our foot and shot it. The smoking gun was in our hand. Now, if you did that, then you are to blame. (laughs) But God still has grace for you, even if you did that, because we've all probably shot ourselves in the foot, maybe multiple times. But not everything in life is because you did something wrong. Sometimes, please hear what I'm about to say. Sometimes what comes at you is simply a test. And God does test his people. God tested Abraham in Genesis 22. And Abraham was a good man. Sometimes tests come your way. God is in the business of testing. You might say, why does he do that to grow you? Because he knows that unless he stretches you and tests you, your faith won't increase. It's easy just to kick back when everything is just going calmly and easy in life. And Job went through a test, and that's what it was. It was a test, and it was bigger than just Job. It wasn't just about Job. It's about all of us who read his story. And it's more than just humans. Job's witness is even to angels. Because the fallen angel who leads a rebellion of fallen angels watched Job pass the test and did not believe that Job would be a man of integrity. He said, he'll curse you to your face. I know it. God said, okay, let's see. Did he? No. Satan, you lose. You've been listening to Skin for Skin, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 2. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, how are you doing? Are you in need of some counsel or advice? If you simply need prayer or to be heard, please give us a call. We have pastors at the church that are ready to talk to you Tuesdays through Fridays. Call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. That's 844 
48 Truth. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, it sure does seem that God instigated this whole thing in the book of Job, which in one sense could be unnerving, like, okay, Lord, why were you bragging about Job? And please don't brag about me when Satan comes by to visit. I get it. I get it. But in another sense, God instigating the story shows us his sovereignty and that Satan is ultimately under God's sovereign control. And that's hopeful. And remember, this book is not just about suffering and how a man responded to it and his friends, etc. It's about the ultimate sufferer that was going to come and provide the answers to all of life's deepest dilemmas. And that's why I think we can see this book for what it is, pointing us to the gospel. We do have a problem of evil, and it's a problem, and there's not necessarily all easy answers, but we have the power of the gospel, and that's where we place our hope in Jesus Christ. Well, hey, if you're facing a trial of your own, the book of Job is a good place to be. And look, if you're not facing one, you will be. So stay in the book of Job with us as well. I've been telling you about a number you can call. We have pastors on hand Tuesday through Friday during normal business hours, 844-48-TRUTH. And if you just need someone to hear you out and pray with you, we'd love to do that for you. And call that number, 844-48-TRUTH. More in the book of Job tomorrow, a message called Skin for Skin. We'll see you right here. Tell a friend. Keep us in prayer. We appreciate you. We love you. See you tomorrow. And just one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations, so praise God. If you're a longtime listener, please become a partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 2 called Skin for Skin. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.